Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Adra Insider Podcast. Um, we are in a different format today due to COVID, so we are in a physically distanced studio uh, to keep us all safe. And I'm joined today by uh, two guests. I've got Daniel Saw and I've got Steve Matthews, and I'll let them introduce themselves. They can tell us who they are and what they do at Adra. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, again, my name is Daniel Saw. I serve as the Canadian Program Manager for Adra Canada. And it's a pleasure to be with you all here today. All right, thank you. And uh, I'm Steve Matthews, the Executive Director for Adra Canada. And I'm just uh, glad to be able to be here and join you today. All right, I'm glad you guys could join me. Again, my name is Michael Kirkby. Uh, you've probably seen me in podcasts before. Uh, this is my first time hosting, and I'm super excited to be here and uh, to host this one. Today is actually an exciting one for me. Just uh, two, three weeks ago, we uh, had a quick visit up to a project in Northern Ontario at, in a community called Wequemkong. And I am going to have Daniel start it off and introduce the project so that we can find out more about it. Thank you, Mike. So Wequemkong is a First Nation Indigenous community located on Canada and the world's largest freshwater island, uh, named, namely Manitoulin. Manitoulin Island, and it's a beautiful place. If you've never been there, we would encourage people to take a visit. Wikwemkong is known as an unceded territory. What does unceded mean? Well, unceded means they have not legally given or signed away their rights to the crown or to Canada. Oh, so they okay. still claim that land as theirs. All right. Okay. Yes. And so what projects are we doing up there? So we had two projects. Uh, the first one of which was a COVID-19 emergency response. Okay. So it was uh, more food security project and we worked with Wikwemkong and uh, their community services leader to provide uh, food for over 800 families. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. And uh, Steve, this was your first visit as well? It was my first visit. It's really amazing spot to visit. Oh yeah. Say. Yeah. So, and uh, what, what were your thoughts on the, the project that we visited? Well, you know, it was really exciting to be able to be there and just see the difference that we were able to make for the the people that uh, that did need uh, need help. So one of the things with uh, the communities, they really, when they went into lockdown, when everybody went into lockdown, they really shut things down. They actually had checks at the, kind of like the border to the peninsula. So the community is on a peninsula. Mm -hmm. So they were checking everyone coming in and out. So there were some challenges with supplies. They were still be able to get essential supplies in. They only had just the one main local store that people were able to get their, their groceries from. So that really started to limit their access to, to food. And they had a, a really significant increase in the need, especially for like good, healthy, nutritious foods. And that was, uh, it was really great to be able to see how we were, we were able to provide for them in, in that situation. Um, we got to meet with some of the community leaders and, and really heard firsthand from them the difference that, that our project has made. In, in the lives of those that were receiving. Right. And uh, when COVID was at its height at the beginning, back in March, how long was it locked down? Yeah, it was actually uh, several months, right? You know, starting from March. In fact, they kept the island um, on lockdown, so to speak, uh, limiting the people who were entering into the, their, their territory. Okay. Even when you go through now, some of the communities still have signs up, no entry from, right. for visitors. You have to yeah. go through checkpoints. Um, Wimkong was not set up that way when we got there, but um, there were still communities on 
yeah. on the island that had that in place. Okay, and we're still we're still providing food. Um, what what is the ongoing project there for COVID? Well, with the funds that we gave, um, we gave uh, quite a substantial amount that they were able to stock food. So uh, we visited, uh, you know, their storage area where they had uh, non-perishable dried goods that were stocked there, and they were able to assemble them in. Uh, bags these wonderful uh cloth bags and they would deliver them maybe once or twice a week and uh, they still have stock so they're still going the project is ongoing until the food runs out but they're they've get they're getting other donations as well but uh, i believe uh the funds that adra provided really helped to give them that boost that they needed okay and, and in the height how many people were we serving approximately 800 families were helped uh, and uh, that included a range from youth to uh, middle age to seniors. So um, it really was a wide coverage. And how were they being delivered? They, they had a, a rotation of volunteers who would actually take the bags. So they had a group that would pack the bags, bring them out, put them in the vehicles, and they had volunteers that would drop them to the door. Okay. And they had it set up so they could drop them. So it was a kind of a, a touch-free yeah. system. So you'd have the volunteer come drop, ring the doorbell, step back and wait for the individual to come in and take the bag. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's a, that is quite the logistics and mm-hmm. there was yeah. a lot of planning that went into that. On top of that, they've had to move the location of the food bank a couple times right. as well. So they were operating out of the gym at the high school during the, especially during the early fall, late summer, early fall, when school first started to open up. Mm. But as temperatures got colder, they didn't want to be doing their gym fitness classes outside anymore. So the food bank had to vacate the uh, the gym and uh, and move to uh, a facility that is more challenging to operate from. Okay. <laughs> but they were amazing uh, to talk about that, Steve. They were amazing in uh, utilizing the space so well, and they actually built shelving to uh, store the food and have it, you know, categorized. So you had flour and you had, you know, dry pastas and beans and cans. So they did a great job in that transition. And they were able to still get the food bags assembled. And as Steve mentioned, you know, be able to use their transportation delivery system by their volunteers. So they really stepped up to the plate. Right. They actually, they ended up using their carpentry students yeah. to come over and build the shelves for That's a day. That's right. right. So I mean, they came in and, and, and did all the shelving in a day and, and they nice. were good using the, the students. So yeah. it, was, it was neat to see that. Yeah, no, that's great that the that it sounds like the whole community came together. You got it. I, we we were impressed with the fact that they actually um, engaged their own people, um, especially engaging the young people, the youth, and they have an apprenticeship program where they have a carpentry uh, trade and they have students who are mentored and actually they they built the shelving, they built uh, these uh, nice picnic benches outside and these kind of shelter in place, these little gazebos outside where people could go outside and talk and they had a barrier, a plexiglass barrier. So it was amazing what they did. We were just very... A lot of ingenuity. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and creativity, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so this, this COVID project obviously started in March, April, um, after uh, the start of COVID. About April. Okay. We, we kicked in about April. Uh, but this isn't our first project in the community. Um, no. Can you tell me a little bit more about our projects that we've had in the past, how long we've been working there? Yeah, we, we've had the OALI, which is the Outdoor Adventure Leadership Experience, and this targets young people, particularly from high school. And what we discovered is that uh, this uh, program actually allows students to engage with their culture and their heritage and history. So they actually go on a 10-day canoe trip and they actually learn about their history, they connect with the land, 
and they learn about you know their ancestry and how they can live off the land and what's amazing is that it really impacts uh, their decisions for the future. Well, one really nice statistic out of it is that the, the students that participate in the OALE experience, they have a 100% graduation rate from high school. That's amazing. So when you look at, uh, you know, especially on our, on our First Nations communities, the, the graduation rate from high school is typically very low. Right. So to see that, it just really speaks to the success of the program that was put together there. And this program wasn't something that we came up with. This program was actually initiated by leaders in the communities. Right. So they developed it. We've just come in to help support it after they've already created and, and moved forward with this program. That's right. I think it's been going on for over, what, uh, well, we've been involved for the last uh, two years, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a bit longer than that, I A bit think, longer. Now. Okay. Um, our, our resident cameraman, who's hiding behind the cameras right now, he actually went on the trip in, was it 2018? 18. 2017. Wow. So yeah, it's been at least over three years. Frank did a documentary on it, and yes. it's it's available on our website and on our YouTube page as well. Um, it's it's an amazing watch if anybody's interested in learning more about this canoe trip. And we have a short version and a long version. So That's the long right. version, I believe, is nearly 30 minutes long, and the short version is closer to seven, eight yeah. minutes, I believe it is. Yeah. So. so if you want to yeah. watch uh, 30 minutes of students paddling through the beautiful. Ontario landscape it, and just learn about the, the rest of that project. Uh, you can check that out on our, uh, our YouTube page. It's uh, Life is Like a Canoe Trip is what it's called. So uh, I definitely encourage you to check it out. Um, what else are we doing up there? Is that, uh, that's kind of those the two main projects yeah, that we're working on right now. Two primary projects. And what comes out of OALI is that there's a strong emphasis on mental health resilience. And I think um, that is a very key area, especially in our indigenous communities where mental health issues are at a all time high. It's a high, major concern. It affects many of the young people, but what this program does is really gives them a sense of uh, support, uh, communal or social support, and then helps them to build their mental health resilience so that they are empowered and motivated to actually, to actually make decisions to improve their lives. So as, as our executive director mentioned, that there is a 100% success rate for uh, our student, these students graduating and going on to pursue post-secondary education. Another nice piece I like about the program is that the students that have participated in it, some of them have now become advocates for the program and are involved in the program now. So we, we've got that kind of the sustainability piece of the young people continuing to go on and, and they promote it with, the, with their peers. What I finished, and we got to talk to some of the young people while we were there. And, you know, not everybody goes into this uh, voluntarily. Right. Some of them are reluctant participants <laughs> yes, because yes. their parents say, you're doing this program. <laughs> but they all said by the time they finished, yes. they'd do it again in a heartbeat. So yes. they, they all got so much out of it. So the, the reluctant ones and the ones that actually wanted to do it both came out with the same type of experience in the end where... Right. Yeah, they were really big advocates for it. And so, like, not to sound cliche, but it is legitimately a life-changing experience for you, these students. Absolutely. Like, like, that might sound cliche, but it's so true. <laughs> no, but it's situation. true. It's so true. Like, they, they, it changes the trajectory of their lives. You got it. That's, yeah. It's an amazing thing. And I, I, it's one of those projects that, like, when I, when I talk about, like, the things that Adra do, I'm always bringing up the OALE because yes. I just, I love that project <laughs> so much. No, and, uh, and just the, the fact that it helps so much is, is just amazing. It, it really does. You know, and I think it's a great model 
for perhaps other uh, indigenous or First Nations youth programs. And, and I think they have something great going on there. And uh, we're just happy that we can partner with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So is this something that we're, we're talking about possibly implementing in different communities or is it pretty much just wiki right now right now it's it's essentially wiki mm -hmm. and uh, we definitely want to continue our ongoing partnership with them right and keep that relationship going because um, it is wonderful that they have actually warmly welcomed us into their community and in fact in our recent visit they pulled out the red carpet for us. They, they fed us, they gave us a tour of, of their, their land and some of their, the big community garden where they harvested actually some of the food mm. that was used in the, the food uh, you know, program. Because that is something that they have there. They have community gardens and uh, we, we met one of the master we gardeners. Did. We did, um, and, and yeah, she, you got a tour of her garden. Exactly. And yeah. now they have gardens throughout the community That's where they're right. growing fresh vegetables and fruits yeah. for everyone essentially. Yes, so. Any, anyone who, who needs it, right? Yeah. And another aspect that they have is they've also made available uh, canning materials, canning yes. kits. Yes. So if someone wants to come in and, and they That's can, right. you know, they had canned chicken. Yes. Um, they had different types of uh, vegetables, vegetables that they had canned. Yeah. So they, and the community members can come to the food bank That's right. and check out a canning kit. That's right. Go home and do their canning and bring back the kit again. So it's more than just coming in and taking food off a shelf. They're providing yeah. other sources for people to, uh, to be able to take advantage of it and to be more sustainable with their their own food so it was, yeah. it was really neat to to see how they've structured that yeah i, I like that piece uh, that you're mentioning steve because um it empowers uh the members of the community so they don't just expect to receive handouts mm -hmm. but they can take the initiative in their own food security for their families and uh it was fascinating to see that i, I really was impressed there's so much great going on up there it's 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 really good it is and, and it's exciting to see address so involved in it all Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess I should mention, uh, we've mentioned it a few times, we've referred to the community as Wiki. Uh, that is a short form of uh, the town name, which is Wikwemkong, yes. um, or as other people say it, Wikwemkong. Um, so that kind of goes by three names, depending on how you want to say it. Wikwemkong, uh, I'm probably butchering that, Wikwemkong, <laughs> uh, Wikwemkong, and then Wiki. Uh, so it's easier to say Wiki. Yeah. Um, but I just want to get your guys' impression of the place, the, the community, the, the leadership. So Steve, uh, what, what did you think? Well, that's one thing I was really impressed with was the, the leadership. And, and I, I do believe that in any community, leadership has a role to play in, in how that community thrives and, and the growth in a community. So when I was there, I did have the, the opportunity to meet a number of the, the leaders of the community, including uh, Gima uh, Duke Peltier. So Gima is the Ojibwe word for chief. So we would normally, you know, we, we think of as chief, but that's a, his, his proper official title would be Gima. And um, just had some time to really spend chatting with him about, uh, about some of their challenges and problems that they're seeing. Uh, we mentioned previously about how they're an unceded uh, territory, and he, you know, was able to explain that to me, and really got into to the opportunity of, of learning more about some of the challenges that they have, but some of the successes they've had as well. He, he's interesting. He actually played uh, hockey for uh, at the university level in uh, in Michigan uh, while he was. Uh, 
while he was a younger man and then came back to the community. And so he really had a, a focus on that recreational side of things. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of hockey in the community, mm-hmm. and they have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of recreational focus. And this is where OLE came from as well was was through some of that vision and looking at the importance of uh, you know from that uh, that recreation side of things. Mm-hmm. But you can really see a lot of the the leadership that was there and a lot of initiative that's been taken in the community. Mm-hmm. What struck me is. Uh, this sense of taking care of others is something that I really got from them. They they really look out for for their community, and they really do look out for the the vulnerable in their community. Uh, and it's uh, that was something that I was really impressed with how the the community was was run from that side. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, what, just, what were your uh, just uh, continuing on building on what Steve mentioned. Uh, our particular point of contact was a gentleman by the name of Scott. He would be referred to as like the chief financial officer for Wiki. And he was amazing. He facilitated everything. He planned and organized uh, the entire food program and including our visit. And uh, he was very instrumental in making things happen. He communicated regularly. In fact, you know, he sent in his reports and the budget, you know, at ADRA, we are very big on the paper trail, making sure that there's accountability and, uh, you know, all the uh, proper documentation reporting. But he was great. And uh, he provided leadership. He organized the visits and the food uh, distribution. And there was a gentleman, another gentleman by the name of Lawrence. He was in charge of the OALI program. He's like a youth worker and he's been doing it for several years. And he again shared with us his passion for helping uh, his young people, his youth, actually understand who they are, their culture, their identity. And uh, he's been so delighted to see the success of the program. So um, there is good leadership in Wiki. And, um, and what we notice is that they, they interact, they don't just uh, remain uh, exclusive or insular. They interact with the other uh, you know, there are counterparts and members of the community, they travel out. But what's amazing is they come back in to give back to their community, to, to make a positive impact. And that is really impressive. We had a project up there responding to COVID. How did COVID, besides the lockdown and the fact that they ended up isolating themselves, did the isolation work? Like how many cases were there? What was, what was the COVID situation like in Wiki? They, uh, they actually didn't have any cases of COVID in, in Wiki as of the time we were there. They did have one false positive, and they were trying to figure out how could somebody who was actually living in a, a home that had no outside contact get it, and yes. in the end it turned out that it was a, it was actually a false positive that they had there. So yeah, they haven't had any confirmed cases in the community. Okay, yes. well that's good. Yeah. So the, the stringent lockdown, lockdown worked. Absolutely. Um, even if yeah. it was hard on, on the people there, uh, yeah. financially or w- with food, so um, yeah. it was great that we were able to help. Yeah, and they, and they were very careful. In fact, uh, we were looking at uh, times of visiting and they were saying, okay, well, right now, maybe can you come another time and all that. So they were very um, carefully monitoring the situation to ensure that their community was protected. And I admire that. And uh, they did all that they can. So even just having making sure that people are screened and uh, COVID-19 tested. And so that really helped to protect the community. All right. So going forward, what are, what are we continuing to do in Wiki? Well, we certainly want to keep that ongoing partnership and relationship. In fact, it was interesting when, when uh, we went to visit and uh, we had the photo op and Steve was with the chief for uh, the Gimei, right? Um, they were holding that big check. 
you know, uh, which we gave uh, a total um, contribution for both the youth OLE program and the food program of $20,000. And one of the, uh, I think it was Scott, he was making a joke saying, yeah, we just want to add a few more zeros to the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So taking that, I mean, that's, that's actually something that we're, we're looking at. There is a, a funding possibility that we're looking at now where maybe we can do you know, a, a larger project that could add on a zero. Who knows? It's, uh, <laughs> we, we'd love to be able to do that. Uh, and you know, the, the community has been so good to work with that it, we, we really would like to continue working with them. So um, we don't really have anything concrete that we can say beyond the OLE, but there are a few few things in the works that maybe we can come back at another time and, right. uh, and disclose some of, some and, of that. And honestly, That's if right. people are interested in this sort of project and they want to help support it, um, we're in gift catalog season right now. Absolutely. Uh, you actually have a gift catalog right there. I have a copy of the gift catalog right here. And, uh, and there's an item in there this year, uh, Canadian projects that I think would uh, definitely be beneficial for these type of projects. Yeah, so we have some projects related to Canada, Canadian projects, absolutely. The Canadian projects you can see here. Uh, additionally, we have projects that are related to, you know, uh, food response was one of the things we did in, in Wiki, and, and so we do have that, that food response as well. So there are a number of different types of, uh, of gifts that someone can, can contribute to and help with the, the work of ADRA Canada. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested in our gift catalog, you can go to adra.ca slash gifts, and you can find all of our options there. Um, and if you want to learn more about uh, our wiki projects or just any of our Canadian projects, feel free to visit our website, adra.ca, and all of the information is on the website. We want to thank you for your continued support and prayers. And as they would say in Ojibwe, miigwech. Miigwech. Thank you. Um, with that, I think uh, we can wrap this up. It was great having you two join me today. And uh, it, was, I was, it was, as always, great learning about our projects here in Canada this time. Usually we're talking about our projects around the world. It's awesome to hear about what we're doing here at home. Um, if you are interested in listening to more of these podcasts or watching more of these podcasts, you can find them on our any streaming platform, any podcast platform. Also on our website at adra.ca slash podcasts. Again, I'm Michael Kirkby and this has been Adra Insider.